Welcome to the Shred with Science podcast with your host, Dr. Chris Spearman, one of the world's leading online fitness coaches, an expert in metabolic correction and a global cover model. Chris delves deep into the most up-to-date scientific literature to provide you with the tools you need to live a healthy, enjoyable, and educated lifestyle. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to a delayed other episode of the Shred with Science podcast. Most of you guys who are avid listeners of the podcast have been contacting me over the last while, asking me when this is going to be out. Massive apologies. There's a few things, first of all, to address. I've missed doing these massively. I know it's only been maybe a month or two, but I've missed doing these massively. And the amount of people asking me when the next one is out has been huge. So for those of you who don't know, uh, I was doing a PhD in cancer research, in leukemia in particular. And at the very end of your PhD, you have what is called a viva, which is an oral defense of your thesis, and you either pass or you fail, quite simply. So I had that about five, six weeks ago. The biggest day of my life is an understatement. So since then, I have not been uploading any or haven't been recording any for obvious reasons. I've been focusing on that. The good news is a past. Dr. Spearman is in the house, it seems. So it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. And finally, you know, it's a chapter of my life that is closed for now. Um, I'll talk a little bit more uh, towards the end of the podcast about my actual research. But the day after that, I flew to Canada. So I flew to Canada to a client of mine who's been on the program for almost two and a half years now, Darren. And it was a bit of de-stress time for me. Just everything from cliff jumping to mountain biking to everything you can imagine in the Rockies. It was pretty cool. So I managed to unwind, de-stress. I was still working, still Skyping clients, but just kind of appreciating the small things that I probably haven't appreciated over the last few years, just been stuck with my nose in the books. And now I'm back. Uh, Also, I have just purchased a brand spanking new apartment in London. And uh, in the last week or so, I've been moving in, buying different things, bits and pieces. I've basically been a nomad for the last few years. Since I moved to London, really, I've been kind of moving around. And I haven't really had somewhere stable to to be, really, especially over the last two years. So finally, I'm somewhere stable. And hopefully I can create as much content now as possible over the next few years. So where to start? This podcast is titled How Cancer Saved My Life. It's a pretty drastic title, but... It couldn't be more truthful. It couldn't be more apparent. And it's definitely something that my life now compared to, you know, five, six, seven years ago is drastically different. So where to start, really? Um, My undergraduate degree was a biochemistry degree. I did that in Ireland. Uh, I absolutely loved research. I absolutely loved science. I always have. 
And I suppose a part of me, one of my biggest goals, obviously, was to get a doctorate. I never thought I would be accepted to do one, let alone finish and pass. Um, And let alone would it be in an area of research that is quite close to my heart in cancer research. So a very close relative, I don't want to go into specifics for confidentiality reasons, an extremely close person to me was diagnosed with breast cancer. And that changed my life. That diagnosis changed my life, Um, changed the course of my life and was a massive driving force for me pursuing cancer research. But also it was, it just highlighted that you know, I've always loved science. I've always been curious. I've always asked questions. And obviously, as you can imagine, a lot of questions were asked. And I then ended up doing a master's in breast cancer research. So my master's was in the same university as my undergraduate in Ireland, in University College Cork. And my master's was molecular cell biology focusing on breast cancer in particular with my research. So I did a six month stint in research in breast cancer. And obviously the goal was to do a PhD. The goal was to do a PhD. And, you know, I was told by a professor at the time, if I got a first class honors in my degree, that I would be given a PhD place. I worked my ass off for that first class honors to be told that funding was not available at that point in time, which probably comes back to the reason why I am no longer doing research. Um, I'll talk about that a bit later. Funding is quite difficult and it's quite flaky and it's not stable. So I was at a loss. I didn't know what to do. I just finished my master's and I ended up applying on a whim. I come to London, absolutely loved it. I was here for a weekend and I decided to be cheeky and Google PhD places in Kingston area. And I found what seemed to be the dream PhD. Hundreds of people applied, it seems. And for various different reasons, I seemed to come out on top and was given the place. So that was the start of the rest of my life. I'm from a very humble background. We had very little, no financial stability at home, very little money. And at that point in time, the thought of moving to London, and as you guys, some of you at least will know, it is quite expensive here, even to rent as a student. So I turned around to my mum and I said, listen, if I leave London in four years time with a PhD and doctor in front of my name and a penny in my back pocket, it will be a job well done. So that was my mindset. I just, whatever it took, I was, that's what I was going to do. That's, I just want, this was my biggest dream. This and getting on the cover of a magazine, of course, were the two things that I only ever dreamed of doing. Obviously, I pursued both, hoping that at least one of those would come true. Never in a million years did I ever think that they both would. But that's another story. So I came over, didn't know anybody in this city, which is quite daunting. I'm from a very, very rural part of Ireland. The closest neighbor to our house is about a kilometer away. 
so it's quite rural um we're at you know at a dead end in the middle of nowhere so to come over here in a city of what nine ten million people it was pretty it was a bit of a culture shock so having done that obviously i tried to integrate and settle in you know i was it was a collaborative study between three different universities a hospital and two other universities and of course that's how my life started um i joined a local gym because i wanted to get into shape and obviously you know i knew one person who i briefly met who said do you have to come to this gym so i did and i just got on with my studies i got on with my research my the title of my thesis or my research itself was called and it, it, it's the title of my thesis it's called hoxa9 which is a gene as a risk factor in acute myeloid leukemia, which is basically looking at this gene as one as a biomarker, so you can predict the probability of someone developing this type of leukemia, or if we can target this gene um, using therapeutics, we can cure, but also prevent um, people either suffering from this disease or people who have a high probability of getting this disease. So I spent four years of my life, yes, I was doing a million and one things in between, sleeping four or five hours a night, researching that question. Could we look into this specific gene? So I'm going to discuss a little bit. This could go over the head of, of people who um, don't really care too much about science, but it's quite interesting. So but basically, the idea was that if we could target this gene as a biomarker, that basically said that if you have a high level of this gene in your body or in your DNA, or you were expressing a high level of this gene, you had a higher probability of getting leukemia, this type of leukemia. So the idea was if we could correlate this, then we could, you know, get someone to take a regular blood test, you know, very early on and tell them that in the future, you have a very high probability of getting cancer. So you could go to, you know, preventative care, which is a lot cheaper than, than normal therapeutics or get regular screens, regular tests and be aware so that potentially you could avoid um, and save lives, essentially prevent people from getting cancer in the first place, which to me was mind blowing. Um, and our research has done that, um, which is, is, I still pinch myself today to think about some of the research that we've done. And I'll talk a little bit more detail about that later. But on the flip side, if we could target this, if we knew that this gene was implicated in in you know the progression of of normal people to this type of cancer, then you could use specific drugs or peptides that target this gene and downregulate this gene and prevent people from getting cancer in the first place. So that was really exciting. So we we used a number of well, I used a number of of drugs that don't even have a name yet. They're that novel. They're that new. Um, and to be the first person in the world, in the history of the world, to use these some of those um, drugs on specific cells or specific patient samples is bloody incredible. It really is. Like, so to get a PhD, you need to discover something. You need to add some form of research that has never in the history of the world ever been d discovered before. So that's a pretty big task. And if you don't do that, it's not novel and you're not worthy of a PhD. So of course, to be able to say that you're the first person in the history of mankind to do something 
especially something that is so what I would deem as important and, um, you know, in terms of making a difference is a pretty cool feeling. And it's probably why when people meet me in person, they say you're a lot more grounded than I thought you would be. And I think that comes down to, yes, I was on the cover of magazines and yes, I was getting my top off for this shoot and that shoot and this and that. But I, what people didn't see were the hours I was spending in the lab, the hours that I was you know, putting in in the clinic, meeting real people with real diseases and suffering real life problems. If that doesn't ground you, nothing will. So yeah, it was like, <laughs> I joke, but it was like, it was like Clark Kent just throwing on a, you know, throwing on a costume and, and, you know, all of a sudden, boom, you're, you're a superhero of two different sort of lives in a sense, you know, whether I'm going to leave it up to you, whether you decide that the putting on the cloak was to go into the lab and save lives or attempt to save lives, at least obviously, you know, I'm not going to be directly saving people, but hopefully my research is a piece to the jigsaw down the line that can, um, you know, add serious value to the research or whether you feel like putting on the cape was standing in front of the camera to shoot for the cover of a magazine. I think all of you who know me know which one is the superhero for me. Don't get me wrong. I love being on the cover of a magazine, but the satisfaction that you get from changing someone's life, which is exactly why I went down the route of personal training or online coaching, online personal training or Skyping my clients and feeling that kind of connection that you're making a difference. There's nothing that can compare to that. There really isn't. Um, you know, and I'm even getting emotional about it now, to be fair. Um, when you, when I wrote my acknowledgements to my thesis, um, you know, you thank people, your supervisor, you know, the lab, the people that enabled you to do what you have done. And obviously I had a few special thank yous. I had a thank you to my grandparents. I spoke about um, my grandfather before on my mum's side, who did his PhD in Cambridge in theoretical physics and an extremely intelligent man, the most intelligent person I've ever met in my life. Um, and to be able to have him as a, as a role model was absolutely incredible. And it was because of himself and, and um, my grandmother that I pursued an academic career, for sure. I had a thank you to my parents, of course, who both in their own way have, you know, given me instilled in me that anything, and I mean anything, was possible. All I needed to do was follow my dreams. But most importantly, I had a thank you to the patients that I met. Some are still with us and some are not. Who, for the first time, you know, these, these patients were clearly diagnosed with different types of leukemia and different types of pre-leukemic diseases. And they go into the clinic and it's addressed that they have X, Y, and Z, and it's okay, this is the therapeutic, this is what we need to do, this is this, this is that, let's get your blood test, let's do a bone marrow transplant, let's do this and that or whatever. And it's just, you know, it, that's the way it has to be for, you know, to try and to try and save their lives. But nobody answers the one question that every cancer patient asks themselves when they hear that they have cancer. Why me? Why me? Why have I got cancer? What caused it? 
very few people right now, other than researchers, of course, but the people who have direct contact with that patient are not actively searching for the reason. They're just help, trying to help them as much as possible, which is completely understandable. So for the first time, most of these patients had that interaction with me and I would meet them at the clinic and I would bring them into a room and I would consent them for, um, you know, the ability to take their blood or their bone marrow or whatever it is to analyze for our research. And for most of those people, that is the first time that someone has said, I want to figure out why you have gotten cancer. And to see the response and to say that, you know, it was, I mean, it's tough to even speak about now because it's bringing up a lot of raw emotion, but there were times that I would leave in tears and be just so bloody grateful, so grateful. One that myself and my family are okay and that, you know, there's, there's, you know, no serious cancer in my family anymore. But the fact that I'm just so grateful for life and the thank you and the acknowledgement that I put on my thesis down the end was an acknowledgement to the life that a lot of those people made me promise that I would live, you know, with my heart, my chest and take every single day as a blessing. And if you take anything from this podcast, let it be that. Um, you know, I build up a, a really strong relationship with a lot of those patients, um, you know, and it was incredible to say that it has changed my life is an understatement. Absolutely. You know, um, I am so grateful that I was given the opportunity to spend time with some of those patients. I'm extremely grateful that I had those conversations and to say that they have enriched my life beyond belief is it does not do it justice. So that's why the title of this podcast is how cancer changed my life. Be it from the diagnosis in my, in my immediate family to doing my undergraduate, to doing my masters, to making the decision to up and leave everything I ever knew to come to London and follow my dreams because of, you know, the pursuit of cancer research to then having the incredible privilege of meeting some of the most incredible people I've ever met, the strongest people I've ever met in my life who've enriched my life to say that, you, that I am not incredibly grateful is, um, you know, is it's one thing that I do every night before bed and I've never spoken about this before. And there's only a few people that know that I do this. And obviously it's, uh, it's not something that a lot of people do. I think it's maybe something that a few people should. Um, my form of gratitude is lying in bed at night just before I go to bed. And when I say out loud, I mean, I, I whisper it to myself, but, but I say it out loud and I list 10 things that I'm grateful for. And when I started off gratitude or being grateful, it was two, three things I could think of. Now I could do hundreds because I am so bloody grateful for so much that we have, that we take for granted. And, you know, I urge any of you listening to this to do the same, to be grateful for the smallest of things, the smallest of things, even my ability to be on this podcast, to have this mic in front of me, to be able to 
add value or attempt to add value to your lives by, you know, letting you know what I've been through, the shit times, the good times, the amazing times, the cover of a magazine, you know, whatever it is, being grateful to be able to share that knowledge or that wisdom. There's hundreds of things that I'm grateful for. One hundred, you know, it's, it's, it's indefinite. So, and it's only when you start to really focus on being grateful that you see a lot of those things. Um, you know, so, so that's kind of me. That's, that's where my PhD had taken me. And of course my, my results spoke for themselves. I passed, I did really well. Um, you know, I was able to, to test a lot of these drugs on various different patient samples and various different cells. Um, and to say it was incredible, to say it was life-changing, you know, is, um, does not do justice. Of course, over the last, you know, four or five years, I've loved living in London. I've loved living in the United Kingdom. I feel like I'm overly adopted now at this point. That being said, obviously I do travel everywhere. <laughs> I do travel quite a lot, um, which is, I'm also grateful for, of course. Um, but yeah, so I wanted here to be my home. So coming back to when I moved to London with, with not a penny to my name, I mean, I had some savings that I had saved, but, you know, I didn't, there was no handouts, there was no nothing. It was just me grafting. And obviously I set up this this business to help others along the way because of how incredible it felt to feel like I was making a difference, but also to fund my tuition so that I could continue to live. So to have that PhD in my back pocket and a penny to my name, well, that kind of went out the window when business went through the roof when I started helping thousands and thousands of people around the world. And I'm so grateful for that also. You know, I'm sitting in this incredible new apartment, um, brand new, just bought. Um, and to be able to say that I've been able to fund this through helping thousands and thousands of people change their lives, it still hasn't sunk in. It still hasn't sunk in. Um, but if I hadn't taken that leap, if I hadn't moved to London and said, listen, you know, that penny in my back pocket, that's all I need. That's all I want. The doctor in front of my name and the penny in my back pocket. Did I ever think that this would happen? You know, everything else, not in a million years, but it was the same drive, the same determination, the same motivation and the same work ethic. But most importantly, that love for life that love for life that, and people ask why I only sleep four or five hours a day. Before we get into that, I am not condoning only four to five hours sleep. I need to address that, yes. But to say that I am living my greatest life is an understatement. So I don't wanna miss any of it. And for the last few years, I've been getting up early, I've been going to bed late, not because I feel I have to, but because I'm loving life so goddamn much. And if you guys aren't, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's easy to make excuses. It's easy to point the finger at someone else. I firmly believe that you can create the life that you want if you work hard enough. So I'm going to leave you with that. I'm going to leave you with that thought. But also, you know, think about that life that I promised those patients that I would live, that carefree heart on my sleeve, 
grateful life. At the end of the day, we don't need much else. Thank you guys for listening. I know it's been a while. I know it's been a bit of a delay. And I know it's been a bit of an emotional one today. But I feel it's definitely going to add some value. For for me, it's something I wanted to get off my chest for a long time. It's something that I wanted to get off my chest for a long time. So live your greatest life. As I say at the end of most of my podcasts, make today productive. You do not get this day again. Peace.